I'm not sure that we'll ever get that press conference or announcement where he says we have inflation in check and we're pausing rates going forward. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcade Economics on a Thursday morning where there is certainly plenty happening in the financial markets. And along with that, in today's show, we will dig into one reason why it's possible that we really don't ever get the Fed pause, at least stated officially, as many in the markets have been looking for, waiting for Jerome Powell to declare that their battle against inflation is officially done. And I think there's a decent chance that we never actually hear him say that, which does not mean that they won't actually pause rates for the next meeting or the meetings going forward. And then eventually cut, which I still think is a likelihood. So we will dig into that today, as well as the latest moves and news in the gold, silver, and bond markets. So with that said, let's dig in by first taking a quick look at the gold chart, where you see it's down to 1987. Although once again, earlier this morning, uh, you did see the gold price cross over $2,000 an ounce. So a couple of times that has happened in the past week. Obviously, there's some degree to which events in the Middle East have played into that and provided a bit in the metals. Although I think a large part of that is also due to the raise in interest rates and a growing, not awareness, because I think people were aware of the US fiscal issues perhaps for a long time, but certainly as we see the deficit continue to go up, spending continue to go up quite rapidly, amidst what is expected to be quite a deluge of supply treasuries in the coming year. Seems like investors are really starting to become concerned with that, and rightly so, in my opinion, which in net has led us to see the gold price cross 2000 once again. Has happened a couple of times in the last week, has sold off a little bit in the last few hours. So future is down to 1987. Meanwhile, silver, similar trajectory where we did see it rallying. I uh, have the Kitco chart up here just because you can see the extent uh, quite clearly to how much it sold off. A uh, pretty sharp V shaped rebound there. See on the Kitco chart going from 2310 down to 2240, then bouncing back up. Once again, right as the COMEX opens, we see a reversal of what had happened in the London session where there was a rally. So silver uh, at 22.70, let's call it a little higher on the futures. Still a couple dollars higher than where we were just three weeks ago before the rally began, although coming back in a little bit over the past week. And with that said, wanted to transition over to what I was saying about the Fed and the degree to which we will get an official pause where Jerome Powell will come out and say, all right, we're leaving rates here. This is the sufficiently restrictive level. The problem with that is that even despite the interest rate hikes that they've done throughout the year with possibility of one, I suppose there's the possibility of more than one hike coming forward. A lot of the talk has centered around just one additional hike, though. And, but the only problem with getting somewhat of a definitive statement that we're at the sufficient level and done hiking is that even despite the hikes they've done so far, they still haven't gotten their inflation numbers anywhere close to the 2% mandate that they have. 
here we're looking at CPI where you can see year over year for the headline number at 3.7%. And if you take a look at the core, still at 4.1%. Numbers have been going up in recent months along with the energy prices, which have come back in a bit. But that's the problem is that even with everything that they've done, and even along with the quantitative tightening, you still see the inflation numbers elevated. We'll take a quick look at PCE, which is known as their preferred measure. And you can see here, still well above the 2% level, the headline PCE number had been above four, down to three and a half percent. The core number, well above four, last reading for August was at 3.9%, which is why in the commentary that Jerome Powell has had, including that interview he did in New York last week, continues to talk about how they're going to be dependent on data and refuses to say outright that their battle against inflation is done. And this is a big part of the reason why. Obviously, if we look at the shadow stat numbers, significantly higher rates of inflation. But even using the government numbers, you can see the rates are well above their mandate. And what that leads to is that I'm not sure that we'll ever get that press conference or announcement where he says, we have inflation in check and we're pausing rates going forward because these numbers are likely to persist. And what I would imagine is far more likely to happen is that before that ever changes, that we do see some more market chaos that eventually forces the Fed to stop raising rates or even return to the rate cuts, which their own summary of economic projections have talked about plenty through the past year. Those have been pushed out, but even as of the last iteration of those figures showed the Fed governors expecting rate cuts into 2024. And perhaps this is somewhat of a semantic difference, although I think there's a much higher probability that we see some of these issues in the markets come to a head, particularly with the yields rising, supply of treasuries coming online, that perhaps forced the Fed into ending its quantitative tightening program and beginning quantitative easing. Of course, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Fed heading into an election year next year as well. So another factor weighing on things in addition to commercial real estate. But the idea that we're going to get to that point where the Fed finally announces we've beaten inflation, we're leaving rates here, I think is a lot harder to see than getting to the point where you have another breakage in the market, similar to what we saw with the banking issues earlier this year that will force the Fed into changing its policy because we get to a point where the buyers of the supply of treasury just get exhausted. And obviously we've talked about that plenty on the show. Some of the other hosts that we have on here have talked about that plenty. And it's an issue that's not gone away. It's an issue that's not going away and something that is rapidly getting closer. And personally, I think we will see play out before we get an official chest thumping victory over inflation coming out of Jerome Powell's mouth and the Federal Reserve. So something that I don't see a lot of people talking about, but that I would watch out for and came up in a conversation the other day. Now, in terms of those issues, here was a tweet which I thought summed it up quite well because Sven Henrich was talking about the perfect doom loop. Yields keep rising because they need to issue so much debt above plan. And then they need to issue so much debt because higher yields have resulted in escalating debt interest expense, 
So then they need to issue even more debt, which causes yields to rise higher, causing even larger interest payments. And I think you can get the idea of where he's going with this. And certainly this is along the lines of what I'm saying that I think we're going to get issues here before we see inflation numbers, even the BLS, CPI, and PCE numbers get down to 2%. Now, in terms of those yields today, as we record, we're just about 4.89.5%. You can see back here on the 23rd, which was Monday, yield got briefly above 5%. The yield dropped quite a bit following that break above five, got all the way down to, let's call it 4.8%, has rallied again, got up to 4.98% earlier this morning before coming in. But given the supply and demand balance out there, hard to see this getting a lot lower outside of the Fed ending their quantitative tightening, going to quantitative easing. And as you can see here in the move index, which is analogous to the VIX of the bond world, with 150 being really what's known as the crisis level. You can see that's been rising along with that surge in yields. Here we were back on September 20th during the Fed's last press conference. Move index was at 97, had jumped as high as 141, and we see it at 131 as of yesterday. If you take a look back earlier in the year, you can see, not entirely shocking, back here in March, when we had the banking issues, big spike went as high as 198.7. And just a good metric that you can keep an eye on in terms of what's going on in the bond world, how concerned bond investors are. And certainly if the yield does spike above 5%, which I expect that it will do, you'll probably see the move index climb higher in the days and weeks going forward. And in terms of someone else who is also not thrilled with what the Fed is doing, interesting comments from Jamie Dimon of JP Morgan, where even he was out ripping the central bank for being 100% dead wrong on their forecasts. As he mentioned that he wanted to point out that central banks 18 months ago were 100% dead wrong, and he would be quite cautious about what might happen next year. Further adding the omnipotent feeling that central banks and governments can manage through all this stuff. He is cautious. And I would suggest for good reason, because while Jerome Powell did acknowledge last week in his interview that when he was asked about the U.S. debt loads and deficits, he mentioned that the debt load itself was not necessarily a big issue, although the trajectory of the debt load was an issue. Although the only problem is, is that not only is the debt load large, but the trajectory is that it is getting larger as we go along. So given those dynamics to say that, well, it's not an issue, I would be cautious about doing that because the problem with that school of thought is ignoring that everything that we can see so far is that it's going to continue to be a bigger issue as debt's getting added at a faster pace than ever, obviously going into an election year. Pretty unlikely that we see a big cut in spending. Of course, even if we did see that, you would see a drop off in the GDP figures because a lot of that is based on the government spending component into that. Although in some other central banking news that came out this morning, ECB did finally stop their streak of interest rate hikes. They had hiked for their last 10 meetings, although they paused their rate on deposits at 4% this morning. As the ECB mentions, governing councils past interest rate increases continue to be transmitted into 
financing conditions, which is increasingly dampening demand and thereby helps push down inflation. And while I'm not sure that the ECB is going to be any more successful in bringing the inflation rates down to 2% than the Federal Reserve is, they did finally stop their string of hikes this morning, which has not had a really big impact on the euro against the dollar as the news of the pause in rates was largely priced in. Although, as we can see right now, euro is at the 105 level. While a quick look at the dollar index, you can see is up again today to the 106.86 level, which is largely based on another move that we saw last night in that the yen has finally broken through that 150 level, which they've been defending quite forcefully. Although once it went through, it went through big. You can see got as high as 150.7 and came back in. Although right now, again, as of Thursday morning, almost afternoon here on the East Coast, see that the yen is at 150.43. So far, no intervention by the Bank of Japan, although certainly a good chance of seeing that in coming days. Of course, the problem that they're facing is they're trying to defend the yen at the same time that they're trying to defend the cap on their bond yield. So similar to a lot of these dynamics that are happening in the financial markets, there really are no easy outs here and there's no perfect policy. It's kind of like a whack-a-mole where trying to take care of a lot of different issues at the same time with the primary solution often being some form of printed money. Although once you see the currency getting out of control, the more that they print to buy bonds, the more pressure that puts on their currency and is one of the reasons why there is so much concern around the globe and the currencies and the debt markets right now, because while central banks will no doubt attempt to continue to navigate these issues delicately, there are no easy answers in sight. And certainly Rafi has talked plenty about the dollar yen rate, and I'm sure he'll have plenty to say about that when he does his show tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. And now on to a few notes over in the gold and silver space. There was a message from Bob Coleman yesterday showing that the borrowing fee to short GLD just spiked to a three-year high as the amount of shares available to borrow went to as low as 100 shares after recently being up at 4 million shares. So you can see the borrow rate on GLD in this green line, quite a spike, which means that it's gotten prohibitively expensive to be shorting GLD and perhaps a little early to know just exactly how this plays out, but certainly quite a shift there when you see the borrow rate spike that high. So did want to make a note of that. In terms of silver, quick look at the registered stocks on the COMEX warehouse. It's interesting, has been flat for a couple of weeks now and somewhat flat on the year. A little bit of volatility got back, got below 30 million ounces a couple of times, have been some big deposits. And we are sitting at the 37 million ounce level, which we've been at for the better part of this month. Again, if you look back two years, you can see the big drawdown that began during the silver squeeze in early 2021 and has left the inventory hovering around that 35 million ounce level really for the better part of a year. Here we are back. This is end of October into November last year. And again, we've seen some deviations, but still staying around that level and taking a look over at the ETFs, which does also include the COMEX. We can see that 
trend continues to be down a small addition of 1.3 million ounces in the past week, but even on the higher price compared to a year ago, this time period, silver coming out of the ETFs at a gradual decline. Also did get the latest numbers regarding India silver imports, where you can see the 2022 figures, these big spikes, which accounted for a record-setting year in India back in 2022, and so far have seen those numbers drop off a cliff, continued again in September, under 200 million ounces going into India in September, which has largely helped keep some of these supply issues together. So there are the latest India figures. And one last note here is that there was a story out that came out last week, although this was some commentary from Phil Baker, who is the CEO of Hecla, and he was talking about the increase in solar demand. Funny quote here, he mentions, you're not going to melt grandmother's silver at $35 an ounce, with that being somewhat indicative of we're going to need higher prices and probably by a good margin before we see a lot of silver selling or recycling coming into the market. He talks about the increasing demand for photovoltaic solar panels, which has continued to go up through the year and is likely to lead us to another deficit this year, similar to what we saw last year, where the Silver Institute mentions last year, 140 million ounces of silver were used in solar panels. There are expectations that 160 million ounces will be used in solar panels this year. And I've heard numbers that are even larger than that. So on track for another deficit in the silver market in 2023. And Phil also talks about something that we've mentioned quite a bit here, but he notes how silver higher prices are going to be needed to bring more supply online. You're going to need higher prices in order to be able to raise the capital necessary to develop these projects. And certainly with the slump that we've seen over the past year in the silver equities space, there is still not a lot of money coming into the mining equities, which means that getting projects that are going to bring more silver online to fund some of these gaps is not happening, which again, just further increases the gaps that we might face going forward. So while that has not helped the silver price on this particular day, these are some of the factors that are indicating a strong market for silver in the years ahead. Aside from just the issues that we're seeing on the monetary side as well. In that, some volatile times out there and seems like the market is sorting a lot of these issues out and perhaps it's natural that this is going to go in stages, but either case, we will keep you posted on all of these things going forward. And before we wrap up, did want to mention that for those of you who are in the market for silver, especially as the U.S. Mint is about to run out of their 2023 allocations, Miles Franklin is currently offering American Silver Eagles at 540 over spot, as we've seen quite a drop in the premium from this time last year when there was a shortage of the Eagles. Premiums were quite a bit higher, but if you were looking to pick up Eagles before the end of the year, they are currently at 540 over at Miles Franklin. Find out more about that. You can email Arcadia at milesfranklin.com to place an order or to get more information. And with that said, going to wrap up for today, but obviously a lot happening out there. Hope you're having a great afternoon and I will look forward to seeing you tomorrow with Rafi's weekly silver report.